I am thrilled to be here in Belleville. It's been a long time since I've been here. Uh, so I thank you, your church board and your pastor for giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. So the time is far spent. Let's go to work. There was a missionary. He went to a remote part of the world that had no electricity. But of course, he brought his generator. So he set up his tent with a light bulb on a string in the middle of his tent connected to the generator. So even at night, he had light. The villagers walking through the village uh, spotted his tent at night, and they were amazed that in the middle of his tent, hanging from a string, there was light. One of the villagers got brave and said, Sir, can I, can I have a light bulb on a string? The missionary said, sure. The villager scurried back up to his that tent and he put in the middle of his tent the light bulb hanging from a string. The missionary was walking through the village one night and he comes to the villager's tent and the villager is quite perplexed. Just like you, I have hanging on a string a light bulb. But unlike you, I have no light. What is the difference? So the missionary went out back looking for the generator. No generator. And he said to the villager, my friend, you are not connected to a power source. I want to speak to us briefly on this subject connected. Let us pray. Father in heaven, all that I am and all that I have now, it's not much, God, but I put it into your hands to be used as an instrument for your glory. So speak now, for we, your people, are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 15 is a very interesting chapter of the Bible. But in order to get a good picture of John chapter 15, you've got to go back to John chapter 13 to set the stage. So John chapter 13 tells us a couple of things. It tells us that Jesus and his disciples are at supper. It tells us that they are having the last supper. So from that we know that it's March or April because Passover always takes place during March or April. We also know that it is a full moon because Passover always takes place during a full moon. So we know they're at the Last Supper. It's a full moon. It's March or April. And then when we come to John chapter 14, it ends very interestingly. It says at the end of chapter 14, Arise, let's go from here. So we know now that the disciples were at supper, they're finished supper, and they're on the move in chapter 15. But where are they going? The next geographical location that we get is in John chapter 18, verse 1. It tells us that they cross the book Kidron, east of Jerusalem, and they enter a garden. Now what garden do you think that would be? Gethsemane. So John chapter 15, 16, and 17 take place during Jesus' walk with his disciples from the Last Supper to Gethsemane. 
So this, as it were, would be some of his parting instructions to his disciples. And in John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus in that full moon is walking with disciples and he says to them, I am the true vine. <sighs> you know, when we read that, we might think, wow, that sounds poetic, that sounds beautiful. But imagine we're in Maryland as Seventh-day Adventists and we are walking by the general conference offices and somebody in our group says, out of nowhere, I am the true Adventist. Exactly. You would, that would make you, what are you talking? You're not a true Adventist, but the true Adventist. You would be almost insulted. You see, Israel had all along believed that they were God's true vineyard. As a matter of fact, Herod decorated the temple, says Josephus, with a 1,500-pound sculpture of a vine because Israel believed they were God's vineyard. And you couldn't blame them. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 5 and you read verses 1 to 7, you will find what we call a vineyard song. And in that vineyard song, God talks about this vineyard that he cared for, that he, he did everything to ensure its safety. He did everything to ensure that it would bring forth good grapes. And it says uh, at the end of that vineyard song, and the household of Israel is the vineyard of God. So you couldn't blame them. But now Jesus says, on his walk to Gethsemane, I am the true vine. It is not your national distinction. You see, because they thought being Israelites alone brought salvation. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Your salvation is found in me, Jesus. And now this is the last of Jesus' seven I am statements. And it is the most intimate. Are you connected? You see, being... A Seventh-day Adventist in of itself will not bring salvation. Our salvation is found in the true vine, Jesus. So a lot of us as Adventists, we are connected to the church, but we're not connected to Jesus. We live in a connected world. Everywhere we go, most of us are concerned, is there a Wi-Fi signal? Uh-huh. You, you ever get the, that signal that says connected but no internet? You ever get that? Some of us are connected with no Jesus. Are you connected? Am I connected to the true vine? Because in that true vine, Jesus, is the only way to be saved. But Jesus goes on to add something. It's the only I am statement that adds something after it. And he says, and my, and my father, if you read the King James, husbandman. Or if you read some other versions, farmer, grape grower, vine dresser. Hmm. 
that's a very interesting statement. You see, because in the grape growing process, the most important person is the vine dresser, the husbandman, the farmer, the grape grower. So Jesus is saying, and my father is in supreme control of his vineyard. So you and I, branches we're referred to here, are under the care of the divine vine dresser. We call them viticulturists. Viticulturists are those who take care of the vineyards. And God is in divine control. But Jesus goes on to say, and this is startling, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. <laughs> Did you catch that? Every branch in me. That means you can look like you're connected. You can act like you're connected and still not bear fruit. And Jesus says, every branch in me that not, does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's a sobering thought that I could be in this church building or one of the other 168 that we own and a few others that we rent and borrow every Sabbath, every Wednesday night for every evangelistic series. I can serve faithfully at God's closet and still be a branch that's taken away because I am not connected to the true vine I might be connected to the church. I might be connected to the person next to me who sits in the same pew as I do. I might be connected to my wife. So I, I do all of these things for those reasons, but no connection with the true vine. Okay, I can feel the tension. I believe that we've got to, in preaching, mix tension and celebration. So let's celebrate. The same phrase translated, he takes away, can also be translated, he lifts up. Now, why is that important? You see, storms blow through vineyards, of course, and branches get blown to the ground. But branches cannot bear fruit if they're running along the ground. So the viticulturist, he walks through the vineyard, and he looks for, for branches that need to be lifted up. And God our divine viticulturist. He's walking through this building on Dundas and he's looking for individuals where the storms of life have blown us down and he wants to lift us up. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. God, the divine viticulturist, wants to lift you up out of the dirt, out of the mire, from the things that are keeping us from bearing fruit. And he wants to restore us to a position where we can bear fruit. The husbandman, the grape grower, the farmer, the viticulturist, he's never closer to the branch 
than when he's handling it. And that's encouraging. Because Jesus then goes on to say, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That means no one is exempt. Every branch gets the knife. So some of us thought that when we accepted Jesus and we walked into this wonderful family of believers we call the Seventh-day Adventist movement, that life would be a piece of cake. All of our struggles would disappear. Not so. Every branch gets the knife. Now, do you notice why God would prune us who are bearing fruit? It's so that we can bear more fruit. Yeah. So in order to bear more fruit, we have to be pruned. Now, anyone who's ever experienced the pruning of God will realize and admit that it is a difficult situation. And sometimes you, like me, may cry out, God, where are you? Why are you allowing me to experience this? This loss could be loss of a loved one, loss of a job. The divine viticulturist is concerned that each one of us will make it into the kingdom. The worst thing a vine dresser can do is leave a grape branch to itself. The grape branch will never bear the quality it is capable of if it's never pruned. So sometimes God has to prune away some of what we think is great in our lives. I've lost some really good jobs. I've lost some things that I thought were precious. But I realize that he who God loves, he chastens. And some of those things, had I kept them, I wouldn't be preaching to you right now. I wouldn't be in this wonderful fellowship of believers right now. So for my benefit, God had to prune those things out of my life. And if you're experiencing God's pruning right now, as I said before, God is not far away. He's actually very close. But we've got to remain connected. We've got to remain connected. Now sometimes we will look at a great and it would be filled with leaves and it's so green and it's so lush. And we would say, what a healthy, what a beautiful, what a wonderful grape branch. But you know what the problem is? Grape branches are meant to bear fruit, primarily not leaves. Huh? So sometimes we see a person and you know they... They come to Belleville and they wear a nice suit and a custom bow tie and handmade shoes and, and they preach and they're directors at the conference and you say, wow, that must be a good Adventist. But sometimes it's just leaves. 
there's no fruit. Sometimes we come to church bearing leaves and not much fruit. But I can't blame us for doing that. Maybe not here in Belleville, but I have to confess, I have been to some Adventist churches where they have leaf inspectors. So they, they, they inspect your life to make sure there's evidence of leaves. So we run into situations where there's a, a, a couple that need counseling. They go home, they're not talking, they don't even sleep in the same room. But Sabbath morning when they pull into the parking lot, they're holding hands. Why? Because the leaf inspector is the greeter. And if the leaf inspector detects anything fishy, it's a news report to the church board. Elder Benta came in this morning and he and his wife looked like they were having a row. I don't know if he should be an elder anymore. So we are afraid to reach out for help because we don't want our business taken to the church board. So we come bearing leaves. It looks good. It smells good. But it's not what God expects of us. We've got to be a place where we can truly help each other bear fruit. It's got to be a place where I can come and sit with you and say, Elder, I know you see all this on the outside, but it's leaves. I'm struggling in this area. Will you pray with me? Will you give me some advice from your experience? And i got to feel comfortable doing that, knowing that my business is not going to be all through the church. But you're so concerned with me making it into the kingdom. Listen, brothers and sisters, Jesus is soon to come. Okay? Jesus is soon to come. And he's looking for individuals and churches collaboratively to be bearing fruit. So I ask you, are there some parts of your life that's just leaves? Huh? And if there are some parts of your life that's just leaves, allow God, the divine viticulturist, to prune those leaves away. That's taking the energy that could be used for producing fruit. Yield to him. You know, there's another branch on the grapevine that springs up. This branch is called the sucker branch. The sucker branch is a very peculiar branch. It, it takes... And takes the nutrients from the vine. It takes the nutrients from the vine. And it never bears fruit. It just takes. 
and takes and takes. And you know what it does? It begins to infect the other branches around it that's trying to bear fruit. Unfortunately, not here at Belleville, but I have met some Adventist sucker branches. You know, you, you get around those Adventist sucker branches and they suck all the joy out of being a Christian. They suck all the joy out of the sweet fellowship we are experiencing in this Adventist community. You sit with them at lunch and, oh, this church is going down. The pastor needs to go. The elder doesn't know what he's doing. The deacons, I don't even know what they do. Huh? Everything is so gloomy. And then they, they start on the conference. I don't know what that property director is doing. Every church should have their own building and we shouldn't have to pay for any of the maintenance. They should pay everything. And they, they begin to suck the joy out of you. I confess, there are times in my life I've been a sucker branch. I have. But the divine viticulturist, he goes through looking for sucker branches that need to be clipped. And he clips them. So if we have a sucker attitude right now for whatever reason, and like, listen, this is not to belittle anybody. Life here is tough. We are in a war with a formidable foe and he knows he's got but a short time so he's raging war. And sometimes we succumb. But the beauty is we have a savior that's willing to forgive us to clip those areas in our lives that, that need to be pruned. So fall on your knees to him. And, and whatever is causing that, that attitude, he can prune. Jesus goes on to say, you are already clean because of my word. <laughs> I'm going to risk getting myself in trouble. It's not enough to read God's word. It's not enough to meditate on God's word. It's not even enough to believe God's word. If God's word is not having a life-changing impact on how you live your life, so what? If God's word is not changing how I live my life, so what? I could preach, teach, read, believe all I want. But if it's not impacting how I live, it's just leaves. You all heard about that pastor who, not Adventist, I'll add. He took his own life about a month or so ago from depression and anxiety. What is interesting, <laughs> three weeks leading up to this tragic event, he preached to his congregation a series on how to overcome depression and anxiety. He preached God's word. He teached God's word. 
He believed God's word, but in the end, it did not have an impact on how he lived his life. So yes, we can take pride that, I'm going to say we still are called the people of the book. They say of Adventists that if the Bible says that Jonah swallowed the whale, we would believe it. But my brothers and sisters, as Adventists, this book must impact how we live our lives. And if it is not impacting how we live our lives, there is a problem. I love, I love what I read on the front of your bulletin. Welcome to the Belleville Seventh-day Adventist Church, connecting with Christ and community. Connecting with Christ and community. I was so pleased when I read that. I tell everybody, I am a facility uh, manager, yes, but I'm a ministry first facility guy. I am not interested in our churches being country clubs where we come and we greet each other on Sabbath and we have our potlucks and our meetings, but the community has no idea who we are and we make no impact on the community. I have no interest in that. Every time I see a church building, I'm going to encourage you, every time you see an Adventist property or building or school or hospital, it's a reminder that Jesus has not yet come. And because of that fact, this church, this movement, we are still on mission. These buildings are to be used to facilitate the soul-winning mission of the Seventh-day Adventist church. So yes, soldiers need to come in here and be refueled, bandaged up from the wounds that they've experienced in war. Those who are casualties of war need to be brought in on their stretchers so that the Holy Spirit can connect them to the true vine. That's what these buildings are to be used for. They're not just to sit here and look pretty by the lake and say we have waterfront property. No. We've got to ensure that we remain connected with Christ and we connect to the community so that the community can connect with our Christ. So I applaud the vision of this church. And under the power of the Holy Spirit, this church can do great things. I was fascinated by your church sign when I, when I pulled up and I began to read the information, the, the vegetarian cooking class. The vegetarian meal that we'll be providing for the community. I want to affirm you in your vision and your mission and the way you're reaching out to the community. God's closet. I'm happy my wife is not here. My wife tells me I have too much clothes. So if she were here, she would give me a nudge and say, God's closet. So keep up the good work. Remain connected to the true vine. Feast on this word and let it change us. 
The, the, the Greek is a very intense way of putting it when it talks about this word. It's, it's Jesus actually being internalized inside of us and lived out. Are you living out Jesus? Or am I living out Kevin? Interestingly, a branch could be separated from the vine and bear leaves, but never fruit. So some of us come to church, we sit in our pews, and our connection is totally severed. We are just bearing leaves. But the viticulturist has a special technique they call grafting. And those branches, they can graft them back into the rootstock and they can begin bearing fruit again. So if you're sitting here and you're feeling a little bit isolated, your, your, your Christian walk, for whatever reason, has grown cold and your connection has been severed, God is here. And he wants to graft you back in. So that you can once again begin receiving nutrients from the true vine. Jesus goes on to say, abide in me. This is a forceful command with an ongoing responsibility. Meaning, you just don't abide when you get baptized and that's it. Abiding is a moment by moment decision that you and I have to make to abide in the true vine. How would my life change? How would your life change if moment by moment we thought, I've got to remain abiding. I've got to continue. I've got to be steadfast. How would that affect the conversations we had? How would that affect the things we watched? How would that affect the places we go? How would that affect the decisions we made if we thought, I have to abide? I started doing that. It's changed my life dramatically. Some of the conversations that I would have once maybe been silent, I now try and change the conversation. Some of the decisions I used to make, I've done an about face. It's even affected the way I treat my family. I am passionate about ministry. I will do ministry 24-7. But sometimes that causes me not to have balance. I remember I was in Ottawa on Mother's Day. <laughs> working hard for the Lord. And my wife called me and asked me when I'm going to be home. And I thought I have to abide. And I stopped what I was doing. And I went home to my family. You see... Let's not confuse activity, as good as it is, with connectivity. You can be active and disconnected. You can be working so hard for the Lord that your family suffers, your personal time with God suffers. Don't be like me. Or like I was, and I confused activity for connectivity. So if that's you today, we've got to 
Jesus says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So everything that we want to accomplish, everything we want to achieve, it all starts with having a connection to the true vine. So we've talked a lot about fruit. And if you notice in the passage, it goes from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. There's a progression. Understand this. Every one of us has the potential to bear fruit. No matter what your current circumstance is, no matter how barren you may feel, you have the potential to bear fruit. And the great thing about the viticulturists, they are more concerned with the potential to bear fruit than your current situation. So God right now, he's not looking at your current situation. He's looking at your potential. So this passage of scripture for those of us who are barren right now should excite us. To know that God wants to graft us back into the true vine so that we can once again bear fruit. So what is this fruit? I'm going to give you some homework. Galatians chapter 5, 22, 23. It tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. And there was an exercise at the end of Sabbath school and we were talking about core qualities. And I heard some of the fruit of the Spirit, like love, kindness, patience, long-suffering. I heard some of the fruits of the Spirit. You didn't correct me. The text does not say fruits of the Spirit. The text says fruit of the Spirit, meaning our Christian characters should reflect those seven characteristics for starters. Because remember, this connection we have in, in this life to the true vine is preparing our characters for the life to come. Yeah. So our characters ought to reflect those seven characteristics. Because as we connect with the community, can you imagine if they come in and they find uncaring, unkind, unloving people? It's not going to work. So my brothers and my sisters, don't be like this lady in Australia who was well-to-do and was one of the first persons to put electricity in her house in Australia. When they came by and read the meter, they noticed that she didn't use very much electricity. So they asked her, what do you do? She says, well, I wait until the sun goes down and I turn the lights on just for a few minutes so I can light my candles, and then I turn them back off. <laughs> my brothers and sisters, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't use it sparingly. Remain connected to the true vine. In the name of Jesus Christ and under the authority of his word, Belleville, Go forth and bear fruit. May God bless you.